Hey guys, it's Colin. Just a quick programming update for the week. I am traveling this week, so we're running slightly lighter than normal. But today, uh, we're going to have a conversation with Justin Hausman. Of course, it's Monday uh, about Kitsbo closing. Wednesday is a hot take. We'll toss some rocks at the cheap 5K tech tee that we all get for free at races. And then Thursday, we'll feature an outdoor movie review, 2002 Surf Flick. Blue Crush. So watch Blue Crush before Thursday, listen to the review, and then uh, we should be back to normal next week. Thanks for stopping by to listen to The Rock Fight. Let's get today's show going. Welcome to The Rock Fight, where we speak our truth. Slay sacred cows, and sometimes, uh, sometimes, we agree to disagree. In a sad turn of events, Kitspo, maker of domestically produced high-end cycling garments, announced last week that they are shutting down. Currently located in Old Fort, North Carolina, the brand started in Petaluma, California, looking to provide mountain bikers a domestically produced premium solution when it came to technical apparel. And now apparently due to the high cost of producing in the U.S. and other market forces out of their control, they're closing their doors. Personally, I had a chance to work with Kitspo when the brand was run by their founder, Sandra Nosler, and I was working for textile maker PolarTech, and I've been a fan of their stuff ever since, so the personal connection to the brand made this a topic I was interested in digging into deeper here on the show. In CEO David Bilstrom's letter to the public announcing the closure, he states that, quote, our apparel industry is deeply broken, end quote, and that in regards to making apparel domestically, he said, quote, Kitspo proved it could be done, but ran out of time to prove that it could be done profitably, end quote. Now, I have no inside knowledge of anything happening at Kitspo. My time working with brands like theirs ended nearly six years ago, but all of this definitely raised some questions in my mind. So I put on hold the conversation that Justin Hausman and I were planning to have for his weekly rock fight appearance and put this one on the docket instead. Justin wrote a piece about Kitspo closing for Adventure Journal's blog, so it was timely to say the least. I'll link that as well as Billstrom's open letter in the show notes. But today it's an emergency pod about the closing of Kitspo, consumer behavior, and the expectation we all have for cheap and abundant stuff. I'm Colin True, and welcome back to The Rock Fight. All right, we're back. Justin Hausman from Adventure Journalist here, and I want to start today talking a little bit about the news coming out of Kitspo. They're shutting down. Uh, the news came out last week. And like, first of all, everything we're about to talk about, you know, my heart goes out to anyone who's impacted by this development in terms of losing their job. I mean, obviously, in a short amount of time, Kitspo had a big impact um, in the community they were in, in North Carolina. You know, I think we can lament having one less premium cycling option to buy gear from, but this obviously will impact real people. And that's ultimately what we should be thinking about. But I do have some questions that I think are worth posing because I definitely believe in Kitspo's mission of manufacturing domestically. I think like that was an admirable thing to do. Uh, And with the, but with the obvious benefit of hindsight at this point, I do wonder if the move to North Carolina was the right call you know, was the aspiration to be 100% domestically produced while admirable, realistic? Um, if not, or if so, or if not, there's a collection of brands who pursued domestic manufacturing in the Bay where Kitspo started, brands like Ornot, Triple Lot, Mission Workshop. So I'm sure it was cheaper to operate in North Carolina, but it's not like there are others, uh, with, you know, it's not like there aren't others with similar goals in California. I really doubt we're going to draw any conclusions today, but I wanted to have a conversation about it. And, you know, you just wrote a piece last week uh, about this for Adventure Journal. So I guess just to start, kind of, do, you know, what's your take on it? You know, have you, have you heard any feedback from consumers of your piece and about what you wrote? Kind of, you know, what's the feedback you're getting? Well, I, I would want to make it clear, first of all, that uh, it wasn't like a deep dive into, you know, I didn't talk to anybody at Kitspo. This was sort of a reaction piece just to let people know. Um, right. And so any, you know, 
the the piece was largely, hey, this is happening. Here's what they had to say about it. And then kind of my own thoughts about why it's probably worth ponying up some extra money to support domestic manufacturing if that's something that you care about. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't open up the books to see like what what caused their downfall or anything like that at all. But, um, you know, to answer your question about the feedback, I would say that most of the comments that we received on the the article after I posted it on Facebook were kind of in shock at how much their stuff cost. So, mm. um, you know, uh, I think th their iconic flannel shirt was retailing at like two eighty nine, I think. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people people seem to say, "Hey, look, I you know that's just too much money for me to pay." Like, sorry to hear about that, but you know, so that that's been that's been sort of the feedback that that piece has gotten. Um, so, which makes sense to me. But um, you know, what I realized in the twenty four hours since I've since I wrote that, and the and the you know seventy two hours since the news broke about them going under is that I don't really know a whole lot about like what the proper strategy would be to have a kind of a niche product, make it in the States, pay the people that are making it uh, a living wage and to still be profitable. I mean, that's, that can't be, that's obviously hard because very few brands are doing it. I mean, you mentioned a few in the Bay area. I've, I live in the Bay area. I'm right about Mike every day and I've never heard of really any of those. Brands. Oh, wow. So, okay. I mean, you gotta be pretty small, you know, to like, I'd heard of Kitzbo, you know, and of course they started here. Um, mm -hmm. But um, you know, it's, it's, I, 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 gosh, I, my heart goes out to anybody trying that. Cause that's, it's super admirable and it is probably the way things should be done. Um, my thoughts on offshore labor and globalization have changed quite a bit in the last like decade. So I'm a big fan of, of making things here and providing good jobs. And I wish that they had made it. Uh, that doesn't mean other brands can't, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, to actually do a deep dive into their books and to see, okay, well, what happened? You know, what, is this, is this like a model that, with some tweaking would have worked just fine. Is this um, a model that, that can't work right now for a variety of reasons? Is there something that the bigger brands could learn from this? Um, that's kind of my, that's, that's been my take on it. I, I will also say that I, I don't own any Kitspo stuff aside from, I, I do have some of their, uh, their PPE that came out when they started making um, masks. Oh, during the uh, pandemic. Yeah. During the pandemic. Um, uh, but that's, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else from them. So, I mean, I, it's talk about just like shooting from the hip. I mean, I couldn't even tell you how, <laughs> how, what their, what their Jack or what their shirts felt like. I mean, it, like, I, I just don't know. I'd love to be able to say, yeah, I, I paid 300 bucks for one and it's worth every penny and, and, and I'll, I'll have it till I'm dead. I mean, I'm sure it was great. Like the, like I do know people that have kids both stuff and they loved it. So I, I definitely own some of their stuff. Um, I guess full disclosure on my side, when I was when I was working for Polar Tech, uh, I met with folks when they were at Kitspo when they were in Petaluma. Um, I never got a chance to work with anybody after that when they moved east. Um, I can definitely say their stuff is really good. Uh, I've had a couple pairs of their shorts. Uh, I still, my go-to um, Merino t-shirt that I ride in almost well, at least three or four times a week is a Kitspo t-shirt. I think it's an interesting kind of reflection point of like, wh why did they go all in on the domestic, you know, manufacturing? I, you know, I have a hard time wondering how, how things would have turned out if if they had stayed put. Uh, maybe maybe the move didn't really end up matter, but mostly just played within the system. You know, that's a big gamble. Like it is not the way the world is set up to make apparel is to make it all in the United States at the scale that they were trying to make it. And and I do kind of wonder what well, if you had. Why not make your top tip of the pyramid, you know, hey, domestic line and, and we make a little few of these a year and, it, and, it, and it's really high end and expensive and it drives some demand. But then we also have our offshore produced uh, good, very good, high quality line over here that's a little more affordable and use that as a talking point. Like, hey, look, we want to make everything here. 
And but we can't, right? We can't we can't keep the lights on if we try to make everything here. And again, same thing. I've not seen the books. I've not had a conversation with anybody over there, but it just it's a little head scratching to me. And it's also just a bummer because I because they do make good stuff. They were well regarded and I could I see them as they could have been a real voice to leading ultimately to what their goal was. You know what I mean? Well, I'll I'll let me I'll just speak for them here. Um, you know, <laughs> very nice on, of you. Based on what I read in their in the blog entry from Dave Bilstrom, um, who wrote kind of a goodbye and piece about it. Uh, you know, I domestic production was, as far as I could tell, the whole point, right? So right. So I do think that you know, yes, they could have had the top of the pyramid, super expensive stuff made here, and then some just as good. I guess maybe slightly less, you know, mass produced stuff made overseas, but that probably would have kind of defeated the purpose of the whole sort of Kitspo experiment, I suppose. I mean, I, gosh, I would absolutely, I, I have no interest in starting any kind of apparel brand, but if I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it to make stuff overseas. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sure. be doing like a white label thing where I'm getting my shorts from same place everybody else does. And then just branding around it. That's not how I would do it at all. Right. You know, I would love to be able to have like a small factory, here in the bay area and pay people 30 bucks an hour to sell my stuff you know i mean i would love to do that and so i think that a lot more companies should be trying to figure out how how to make that work i also think that i think of like over a certain age you know of which you and i certainly are you know we were both born in the 70s so like we came of age in in a world in which you know made in china was considered you know super inferior right um and I, there's no way that's the case anymore. I mean, for all I know, if you want to make the the pinnacle of outdoor gear, you can't make it in the states. I presume you probably can't, to be to be honest. I mean, I yeah, and so, and we're not trying to insult anybody who does it here, but you're absolutely right. At least at scale, at the bare minimum, you you yeah. definitely can't. Nobody's going to argue that. And you're and right. But you hire, that, gonna... I mean, if I wanted to start a brand here, who am I going to? You know, who are, are there? Are there like hundreds of of really talented you know seamstresses? I don't even know what the right word is. Like like looking for work. I maybe I don't know. Probably but there's a not reason anymore. That people don't do it. And yeah. like, I think, I think, you know, you mentioned working within the system. I mean, in some ways they did, right? Like they worked within the system that they were presented with. We want to make That's stuff true. domestically. Yeah. And here's the people that, that live around here. And here's what it costs to, to, you know, to live here. And so we're going to pay them what it costs to make a living here. And they were, you know, uh, maybe that means a shirt that costs $289. I mean, it probably did. I, I don't, I really don't know. Well, and so, I think another problem, and again, I don't want to speak for Kitspo. If anybody, if anyone from Kitspo or formerly of Kitspo wants to come on, they're more than welcome to reach out to myrockfight at gmail.com. You know, we're not here to slag on anybody. We're just, this is a, just an interesting conversation and, and in line with some of the other conversations that you and I have had, because like, this is another thing of, there are very slim degrees of good between the top of something and the bottom of something, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, you can go on, I'm sure REI.com right now and find some Pearl Izumi bike shorts for like $39.99. In the components in a Kitspo pair of shorts are obviously going to be better in terms of, you know, fabric quality, those kinds of things. However, performance-wise between the two, it's probably pretty modest, yeah. You know, I mean, yes, you would put one on and you would notice a difference in the fabric quality and the chamois quality. All those things are going to make a difference and you're going to notice it. But when you're talking about a $40 pair of bike shorts and a $250 pair of bike shorts, you would expect that most people, the especially the uninformed would be like, why would I spend that much more for this? They're mm -hmm. basically doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that's another, and and that's something that we've talked about quite a bit on this, right? Is like the, the the amount of stuff we have, you know, and and all of it's pretty good. I think we said that a couple right. of different times, right? It's a great thing, and you have so you have to bring a certain kind of layer of knowledge into shop at that high end 
whether you have the disposable income or not. I'm the you. Well, we both are. We're both the Kitsbo consumer, right? Like, you know, we're we're of a certain age. We like the stuff we like. We don't want to look like you know uh, a roadie while we're out there, and we don't mind spending money on good stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so even then. So sometimes you get a little sticker shock when you go on mm -hmm. and you see a flannel shirt for $289. Now, I also know that thing's going to last forever. There's going to be people, anyone who owns all the Kidspo stuff I have, I will be wearing it years from now, right? The same way, though, I can I still use my Golight gear from 2007 because that was good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like sometimes we get a little high on our own supply at some of these brands and in this industry and kind of not recognize the larger landscape and what we're operating in. You know, before, I don't know, before I really cared that much, I guess, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I, I bought most of my sports stuff, you know, hiking and biking at Sports Basement, which is like a small yeah, chain. Yeah, most, most Sports Basement. And I think, you know, for the most part, I, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd get a big shipment of stuff from the North Face. And I don't know if it was like their, their, their sort of defects or I don't know, stuff was just always cheap there, you know, so that's what right. I always bought. And, you, you know, you're right, like there, the difference isn't extreme between some of the, the lower end stuff and some of the higher kind of boutique things I own. There, I mean, really, there isn't. So I can appreciate the the aesthetics and, and, the, and the craftsmanship that goes into the boutique stuff. Um, but performance wise, there's not a huge difference. That's all true. Right. So you do have to you have to find that value somewhere else. Right. And so I think, you know, I'm coming around to really caring about not necessarily primarily because of the quality of something but like the, what kind of world do i want to live in you know and so that's where i'm putting my money more and more often these days mm -hmm. and so if you know if domestic production and treating your workers really well matters a lot to you then maybe it is worth spending 280 bucks on a shirt i mean we're like yeah you know it's it, but that illustrates the difficulty really of this uh of a, of a shift in the way we 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 go about buying these things right like you you know i i don't own any of their stuff i could afford it but i didn't because it seemed to it just was like ouch you know that's that's hard for me to to, yeah. to justify so even i'm not quite ready yet right like this means a lot to me um where things are made and how they're made but but i'm even not really ready well in the category too not to interrupt you but like you know like you mentioned it earlier roadies invest in there. That is a vain part of the cycling community. And I say that not with any judgment. That's just kind of the way it is. Your sure. kit matters. How you right. show up to the group ride right. and you're, if you're a roadie matters, you know, you can have the totally kitted out Kitspo guy showing up to the group mountain bike ride right next to the guy and a pair of not even Ripton's just jorts wearing yeah. like, you know, a t-shirt he picked up at Goodwill and that's like, okay, either that's way. Cool. That's actually cooler. It's, yeah. it's all cool. Yeah. Or, but it's all, no one's really even judging the, the yeah. rich guy either. Right. I mean, it's just right. kind of like, all right, let's just go for a ride. Well, no, Sorry that's true. I mean, and, and there's a lot of reasons to, to say that like buying your stuff at the thrift shop is, is better for everyone anyway. Than, <laughs> Definitely. Than is. Stuff. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's the thing. Like we're going to, like, we can't. So we, we, when I say we, I mean, people in the outdoor community who really tr care about, you know, not just the environment, but the world and society and culture and the economic structure of this country and all of these sorts of things. Like we, at a certain point, we cannot just continue to buy the cheapest made stuff. We can't. Right. Right. I mean, like you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't demand that things are super cheap and then get mad that there aren't better jobs in this country. You can't, you, I mean, like, <laughs> or we do, but you can't. So, right. you know, I mean, we, we need to understand that you're, you're going to have to start making some uncomfortable purchases at a certain point. Um, right. Or just stop buying things. I mean, 
I don't think enough people realize that, and I don't want to get too far into like a socioeconomic thing here, but like, I don't know that people realize that this, that being able to buy whatever you want, whenever you want is a blip, you know, historically. I mean, this is, this, this didn't happen. This is all like a post-war, you know, mindset where, you know, the U S was the leader in manufacturing. There was no real competition overseas after world war two. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, you know, we could make whatever we want, sell it to whoever we want at prices that we dictated. And that meant factories everywhere. That meant great jobs for people that meant uh, a real strong tax base. That meant all the things that people think about when they think of Americana and like going back to sort of a golden era. I mean, that was a world where we, there was no competition. And so that was kind of the first time where, you could just buy whatever you wanted to, you know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's never happened before in human history, unless you were like a Vanderbilt, <laughs> you know, like the fact that I can go out right now and buy, a, I don't have any, I don't have any money to buy a car. I could go out and buy two brand new cars right now, you know, and like, that's right. crazy. And that, yeah. that we expect that is absurd. You know, it used to be that you had one shirt, you had, maybe you had two, you know, and it probably cost the equivalent of $300. You hey, know, remember hand-me-downs? Right. Exactly. You know, and, and so I just, I, we've all kind of gotten locked into this world where we expect to be able to pay the least amount possible at Mm -hmm. any point, even free internet. And, you know, I mean like outlet malls and stuff like that. Like it's just, we, we've kind of forgotten what it means to, 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 to have like a full assessment of, of, of the sort of life cycle of a product and, and, you know, from creation to, till I don't have it anymore. Not even, I'm not even talking about sustainability here, but just in terms of where things are made and stuff like that, you know, we're super community based, right? Like I love my community because I love the trails. I love the people that ride on them. I love all that sort of everything about it. And that's how every outdoor community is, right? That's why we all care so much about mountain towns. So these little like collectives, right? We're all like pulling together to make sure we have a good place to recreate and a good place to just live, right? And so if we eliminate the possibility of like manufacturing or good jobs in places like this, Nobody can, you know, we're already seeing what's happening with people not being able to live in these little towns, but how great would it be if every little town had a little hub where they made all your bike clothes and maybe they even made your bikes. I mean, there's no reason. It's like an organic farming model. For sure. I mean, this farm serves this community kind of same thing. Yeah. How cool would that be? I mean, that everybody would. God, that would be so much more fun, right? Like you'd go to you'd go to a new community, and be like, "Oh, cool! This is what they do." This is that's kind of how it used to be with surf stuff. Like it's not. Have, so have much you anymore. have you been watching Little House on the Prairie runs again? Is that what you know? You're like, <laughs> is that? <laughs> <laughs> but I I mean, like when you it used to be when you would travel around to little surf towns, like you'd go, oh, "Okay, cool. Here's the local shaper. Everybody right. rides the same board." You know, for the most part, their clothes are all going to be like from the big surf brands, but they like, had their own feel, their own vibe, their own character. Right. Um, and like, that'd be really cool for that to be the case with outdoor stuff. And um, I, I wish more people would try to do it. Kitsbo did, um, you know, maybe you figure out a way to make it more palatable economically to your customers or something. But I, I, I just, I feel no, like we that, all that, want that. Like who, this is why it bums they... me out. This is why I yeah. wanted to talk about it. I, I love what they were doing. I mean, and that's, I'm not trying to be overly critical of what they were doing. I think I was just almost trying to like do a postmortem of like, well, how oh, did like... we get here? Because number one, like the, the, the out, the stuff conversation and it, this is kind of you and I have chatted about this. You know, this is when I had uh, Ken Pucker on. We talked about this. The, the outdoor community needs to be a leader because we have another reason about why we make the stuff that we do. Right. It's to right. enable us to go outside. Now, I think that, you know, that how often are we adhering to that as our driving North Star? Right. <laughs> That's kind of up for a debate. And that goes back to our conversation about Rab is like, why are you just making more stuff? Like, you know, so. You know, it gets really complicated really quickly, though, right? It's kind of like, you know, there's 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 the too much stuff. There's the quality of the stuff. And it's just so, yeah, I think ultimately when I look at Kitsbo and I saw that, I look, I 
Xander Nosler, the the founder, like I've mountain biked with him, like doing, you know, gone, you know, after visiting them and talked about product, you know, and kind of hearing his vision and then, and then seeing their move across the country and be like, oh, that's a cool thing. It's probably doing a lot for that community in North Carolina. That's just a bummer, you know, yeah. it's exactly what you're saying. Like, and I kind of wonder, like, was there a, a way where this turned out differently because boy, it was nice to point to them. They're like, wow, those guys are doing it really well. Now, look, I mean, and not to diminish others who are doing it well or not mentioned, they're also in the Bay. They make cycling clothes and they're, they make a lot of high-end stuff, lower price points than Kitspo. No idea their finances. Hopefully they're doing well. I own a bunch <laughs> right. of their stuff. Please come on or not. We're, we're pulling for you, you know, because these are the success stories that hopefully will change things, right? If, if you know, our grandkids are talking, are like, Hey, hey, uh, you know, Grandpa Justin, I went down to the local uh, bike guy to get my my new bike jersey, and you could be like, "Hey, we made it!" You know, one day, <laughs> totally, it's going to be because of these guys, right? Who yeah. are actually doing it. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's just that, you know, and I don't know if this is a case of the rich guy coming in feeling like it was going to be easy because he never worked in this industry before, and then it was really hard, and he just punted. You know, I I don't know David Bilstrom. I, I maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was something as simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, if not, you know, if it was just the complicated market forces and it just became too hard, look, it's not the last time that's going to happen either, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I hope Kitspo just gets remembered as someone who was trying to do it differently in a world where it was really hard to do that. Well, it was probably pretty tough. I mean, lots of businesses didn't make the didn't make it through the pandemic, and one where well, there's I mean, that too, right? Yeah, you, you kind of have to assume that their profits were like their margins were pretty thin as it was. And so yeah. if all of a sudden you're hitting a three-year period where no one's buying anything, although that doesn't seem to be the case, but I don't know where people are worried. No, I mean, but I raw materials were tough to come yeah. by, right? I mean, yeah. all that stuff, right? So, so like, and that's the thing. We didn't even touch on what the pandemic and how that was. I mean, great, you move across the country, even if some of that is subsidized from government grants and stuff like that, then it's like, oh, hey, people can't come to work tomorrow. <laughs> because, well, it you seems know, like, like, I mean, it know. seems like most of the outdoor industry kind of, well, I'm not saying screwed up because nobody knew what to predict, but I mean, it was right. like this whiplash between, oh, everyone's going outside, like sell, 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 make, 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 make. And now everybody's got giant warehouses full of crap because right. people bought what they needed. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so they don't need to buy as much anymore. So, um, well, like, know. like I said, I don't think we we're going to get at any real conclusions here, but I yeah. think this is a, you, you could tell if you're listening to this, that this is an interesting conversation. I think this is definitely in line with some of the other, like, you know, the RAB conversation we had, you know, the Cinder Adventure line of like that, that's right in line with this. The sustainability piece plays a part in this because how, you know, it is, you know, they they were making stuff that will last a long time. Uh, and it was, you know, it was thoughtful in how it was made. Um, I don't know. Do you want to take us out with your favorite piece of cycling apparel from the last 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> like, so we end on a high note? <laughs> Well, I, I actually, I do, I have something else that I, that I, I want to say. I mean, there is a chance that, you know, I guess the optimist way to look at this is, okay, so Kitspo didn't make it. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people were really that aware of Kitspo to be, to be quite honest, you know, and it's, it's entirely possible that a lot of people really weren't right. And so right. maybe enough people either hear this podcast or read the piece I wrote or just see stuff generally speaking out there in the outdoor world and read this about them and go, Oh, you know what? Shit. Like I should have, I wish I would have known they were there. I would have yeah. ponied up for something. I mean, in, in some ways it's almost like supporting your local NPR station or whatever. It's like, you right. know, like you got to put your money where your mouth is at some point. So maybe something, you know, the, the upside to this is people realized, Oh crap. Like I didn't know about them and I didn't support them. I'll make sure to do that with the next brand I see that's doing things, you know, 
with if if to you that's the right way doing things yeah. the right way you know and so maybe yeah. that's the silver lining here is that they're get they'll get some more exposure to the domestic manufacturing troubles um and what it takes to do something like that and maybe somebody else can pick up that ball and start running with it you know they advanced it to i don't know the 30 yard line so here comes somebody right. else to pick it up and run further so in terms of putting your money where your mouth is, I mean, we, this is something that we struggle with the adventure journal all the time. You know, we, uh, we know people love our product uh, and we are doing our damnedest to, to get people to, to sign on. I mean, we're right. We're, we're doing yeah. well, you know, but it, everybody wants high quality outdoor writing and everybody wants a beautiful print publication on their table. And it's just getting people to realize that means you actually have to pay for it is still harder than you would think. And so this is something that we struggle with all the time. Um, and I, I don't... think there's gotta be even another Kitspo comparison there. Is that, is it an awareness thing, right? To your point about the people even know about Kitspo, yeah. I would think probably general population would, if you said, you know, oh, do you know about this print magazine? Most people would say, oh, they still make print magazines. I mean, I'm right. not that it's like, that's a silly thing to say because you can go to any number of bookstores or whatever or airports yeah. and see magazines, but magazines just don't seem to be in the culture the way they once were. Right? right. And so I think that's where it's a, it's an, almost an awareness thing. I bet there's a lot of outdoorsy people who would be like, Oh yeah, I would buy adventure journal. Maybe they aren't even aware yet. You know? Well, that's, that's the other part too, that, that, you know, we, we go through great efforts. Like if you go to our website to, to sh one, show you the product to tell you why it's special, you know, like mm -hmm. here's why we print on this kind of paper. We print on this kind of cover stock, you know, the images look like this, uh, you know, it, we're, you know, planting a tree for every issue sold, all these sorts of things. Like you see why it costs $60 a year for four issues. You know, we, we do our best to tell you that, you know, I don't, maybe Kitspo and other brands don't, you know, they just sort of expect right. you to recognize the quality, but it's, it's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really tough. I mean, we all, I think we all want a world where independent um, brands and companies that are doing it the right way can succeed. It's just getting people to realize that means not buying the lowest common denominator cheapest stuff you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pony up a bit more all right we'll end it there justin man thanks for coming on thank you for having me okay that's our show for today if you have any comments or suggestions or hey if you want to pick a fight with us send them all over to myrockfight at gmail.com we'll see you back here on wednesday with our weekly hot take i'm colin true thanks for listening the Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight, LLC. Rock Fight!